Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on WorldCom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. How much would you pay for a diseased tulip? How about... Four fat oxen, eight fat swine, 12 fat sheep, two hogshead of wine, and four tons of beer, among many other things, for just one single virally infected tulip. Too rich for your blood? Well, then congratulations. You are smarter than the traders who participated in what is now known as the first speculative bubble known as tulip mania. The bubble formed in the Dutch golden age of the 1600s when the prices of tulip bulbs gradually rose as a demand also rose for ones of exceptionally rare coloring due to a mosaic virus infection. Tulips became so sought after that at one point the bulbs that grow tulips became the fourth largest export from the Netherlands right behind gin, herrings, and cheese. What a delightful Dutch Christmas basket that doesn't sound like it would make me shit my brains out. Gin and cheese doesn't sound like it goes together. No, it doesn't, but I guess that's all they were doing in the Netherlands. Uh, There was one large issue with acquiring this new luxury item, however. It takes a really long time to grow a tulip. So instead of waiting, the Dutch created a futures market where people were buying the rights to buy and sell the bulbs at the end of the season. Uh, it took several years to reproduce these bulbs, and especially for these ones that were virally infected. I don't 100% understand what it was. It was like tulips produced bulbs and seeds, and the viral coloring only comes through the bulbs, which take longer to clone than the seeds, I think. I don't know. Um, something like that. And people began trading the rights to buy the bulbs and not the bulbs themselves. Uh, And many people made and lost fortunes buying and selling future tulip bulbs that they never saw. The price of tulip bulbs became so inflated to an extreme level where people were paying insane amounts for these contracts and creating a bubble that when finally popped, wiped out a large part of wealth for a small portion of the Dutch population. That's right. Tulips were the first NFTs. What if this sort of speculative bubble didn't just affect a small subset of the population, however? What if it took down an entire country? This week, we discuss exactly that as we follow the tale of Scottish convicted murderer slash economist John Law and what has now become known as the Mississippi Bubble. So the the price of tulips rose... Yeah. The tulips rose. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. Also, Kashan, do you have any NFTs? Fuck no. I do. Ew. We've literally, we've shit talked them so much on here, Nina. We had a whole episode where we talked about how they're not sound investments. I have and two NFTs. After all that, you were like, gotta go out and give me a board ape. I have two of them. Nice fucking titties. Oh, my <laughs> fucking God. Oh, I fell so hard into that. I I hate myself. I hate you. I hate that joke. God damn it. I'm so upset right now. I 
make contact. <laughs> I can't see. All right, we're back after Nina fixed her eyeball enough to continue the podcast. <laughs> I don't get you very often. That was good. Yeah, no, no, you got me. I fell into the stupid fucking trap. God damn. Anyway, welcome back, everyone, to White Collars, Red Hands. I'm Kashan. And I'm Nina. And we're back uh, to tell you about the story of John Lott. This is so every season, there's always an episode where I go, that's the episode that I want to get to. Like, that's the one I want to talk about. This is the story that I like the most. They're all, I like doing all of them. They all have their their bits. But mm-hmm. but this is this is that story for this this season. Awesome. I'm very excited about it. This is the first one I chose. I really want to do it. And it's another historical one, just like we did with the uh, the collapse of the Medici Bank. Yes. This one is from like 500 years ago, almost well, 400 I years like ago. It. I like it when we do old ones. It's fun. So it's cool. And what? And we just talked about tulip mania, which is something that you'll hear about a lot when they talk about bubbles. Someone always brings up Dutch tulip mania and about how they drove the price of bulbs up and then they all collapsed. Um, I will say because it's good to do this. A lot of that speculative, all of the all of the hard numbers and stories from Tulipania that we have are from satire written about it, like like a hundred years later. Oh, okay. So we don't know exactly, like how I quoted the uh, the fat sheep and the fat oxen that were all traded for it. That is from on. I found that online as what was purported to trade for one tulip bulb. And there was more, there was like a silver cup and a bunch of like rye and things. It was like a thousand florins or something, something crazy. It sounds like what someone would trade for someone's hand in marriage. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a dowry, but instead of a wife, you get a a tulip bulb. So, but I, I think you'll find that that story has a lot of parallels with today. Um, So let's talk about John Law. Uh, John Law was born in 1671 into a family of Scottish goldsmiths and bankers in a place called Fife, which is a very funny name. Uh, His family had a decent amount of wealth as his father ended up purchasing a castle located on, and I shit you not, this is another funny name, uh, the Firth of Forth. That's dumb. The Firth of Forth. And it, yeah, you're right. That is a very stupid name. I don't that know. It just sounds like someone with a speech impediment made that name. We shall call this place the first of fourth. Can you do a speech impediment in a Scottish accent? We don't call this place the first of fourth. Nope. That was not bad. Yeah. I don't know. Just, uh, it just all sounds like Daffy Duck. I don't know how to do Scottish yeah, Daffy Duck. Um, growing up. John showed a proclivity for the family business and started working in the in banking at the ripe age of 14. That was uh, like half of his life gone. Yeah, I about to say. It was like, it's, it's like, not that you know, impressive. It's the, it's the late 1600s. So yeah, I guess. they're like what? They lived to be maybe 30? That's actually not true. All right. Believe it or not. So the average, I know I've actually quoted that on here before, and then I read some articles about it, and I was wrong. Um, the average life expectancy was like 27. But that doesn't take into account how likely you were to die in infancy, which is very. Uh, so if you were, if you lived to like 30 at this time, you were still likely to live an extra 30 years. Oh, okay. So eh. that being said, yeah, they made you work when you were a child. So that by the time yeah, you're 14, they didn't have they're like, for lost 
Yeah, they're like, you should be doing manual labor. He's It'll lucky that he wasn't a girl. He would have already been married and had a baby at that point. Married baby or in a nunnery. That's what you do if you're 14 in the Middle Ages. Well, I guess it's right after the Middle Ages. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but his dad died when he was 17. Aw. Uh, and newly without a daddy and ready to go catch a baddie, John ah, sounds like me. John Law decided to avoid university when he finished school. He instead took a tour to London, where he spent his days carousing and gambling. Now, John really enjoyed gambling as he took pleasure in the study of probability and statistics. Is this Kashan? Is John Law Kashan? I don't use my statistic powers to. To gamble. Probably should. It was also easier back then, though. You think people in the 1600s were thinking that normal people who were gambling could do math? No. Exactly. Wow. All you had to know how to do was math back was then. math, and you were like, all right. Uh, he would calculate his odds in a game and bet higher when they were favorable and less when they weren't. Something that doesn't sound exactly like fucking rocking science to us now. But I guess was revolutionary in the 1600s Europe. Because like we said, if you knew math, you were already above everyone else. If I did math in the 1600s, I'd be a witch. It's true. They'd have burned me at the stake. Burn her! Two plus two is four? How dare she? <laughs> Tie her to the stake and show her what for? Burn that witch! Uh, I saw this meme one time that was like, imagine that you could squirt and they thought you were a witch. She made water appear from her undercarriage. Tie her to the stake. I was like, and you could just put out the fire. That's what I said. Yeah. I posted it, and I was like, tie me to the stake. I'll put out the fire. Oh my god! <laughs> I've been to the Salem Witch Museum. How dare you? Oh, sorry. All those women died. I know it's sad. Twenty-five, I think, and two men or something. I don't that they have recorded. I don't remember. They've recorded pretty much all of them. You don't think anyone was just walking through a cornfield and they're like, she's a witch, and then killed her? No. They usually went through the trials. They seemed, it was the only entertainment they had, so they had to do something. <laughs> I guess that's true. So, uh, John Law is out there gambling, carousing, and but at this point, he's kind of shit at it. Um, and either on gambling losses, women, or booze, but probably a combination of all three, John lost almost all of his inheritance and more. At one point, he even called his mother asking for her to sell their castle to avoid him going to debtor's prison. That was a thing. Yeah, it was a special prison for debtors. You got to remember, this is about 100 years after they removed like uh, usury, which is, uh, it was like a sin to charge interest on loans. Huh. Uh, in the in Christian churches okay. at the time. So that is also where a lot of anti-Semitism comes from because uh, basically immigrants were the only ones who could charge interest on loans. So that's why a lot of Jews became bankers and why we have that kind of association even to this day is because they were forced to do it because they were the only ones who weren't committing usury. But people wanted loans, so they had to force someone to do it. But then they were like called... Bad news. Yeah, they were, people didn't like them because they were doing the thing that they needed. And in this time here, I think it was Italian immigrants who were doing a lot, doing it a lot in um, the UK. But I want some spaghetti. <laughs> I just haven't had spaghetti in so long. You have this toggle story about how like Italian immigrants are being forced into this and hated, and you're Shame. like, oh, I'd like some spaghetti. Jesus, it was a long time ago. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you're not hey, wrong. Do you know how someone how you 
Actually, never mind. I don't want that on the podcast. All right, great. Um, so lucky for John Law, Mumsy had enough of the coffers to bail John out without selling the estate. Uh, but that was only the beginning of trouble for John Law. In 1694, John was 23, which I hear is the perfect age to be convicted of murder. Um, obviously, John had heard this as well, as he was challenged to a duel with one Edward Wilson over the love of what else but a woman, Elizabeth Villiers, I think is how you pronounce her name. Uh, Do we have a picture of her? Elizabeth Villiers? There is one online if you want to look it up. I want to see how fucking hot she is. She's like, a, she's a, it's a painting. She was fucking the king, so I mean. Oh, so she's got to be pretty hot. She's got NFTs too. I'm about to say she got some titties for sure. Don't don't just show the titties to the to the camera. She has a good face too. We're gonna get. She has a long face though. We're gonna get content blocked on YouTube. Oh, they're fine. She's she's pretty. Yeah, that was hot for back in the day. To be that's true. If I lived back then, I'd be fucking slaying. You'd be dead. Um, Elizabeth Villiers, a lady in waiting to the queen. And like we said, a mistress to the king. Uh, Well, John knew what it meant to grow up on the mean streets of the Firth of Forth. (laughs) So he absolutely skewered my man Wilson with a single thrust of his sword in the duel. Making a human shish kebab back in the day used to be okay, though, as long as it was in a duel. But it is believed that the Wilson family paid off a corrupt judge that ended up sentencing John Law to death after finding him guilty of murder. John Law ended up convincing the Wilson family to forget that their family member was just absolutely ran through and just to accept a bribe. That got his sentence temporarily commuted. But Wilson's brother decided that wasn't enough and then went on to appeal this decision and won, so John Law was re-imprisoned. But John managed to escape and flee the country to Amsterdam and would only return to his home, or to England at least, once more and many years later. John then went on a 20-year tour of the rest of Europe, once again carousing and gambling, but this time to much greater success. He finally figured out that betting when your odds are better thing i guess i don't know um as he amassed a decent amount of wealth he also began to study monetary systems with his background in banking i guess that's what he he found interesting also amsterdam at the time was one of the first places in europe to use paper currency they're not the first one china was the first but amsterdam the main bank of amsterdam was the first place that was using banknotes And he saw this and saw that they were pretty popular and doing pretty well. And they had a lot of benefits for a society to not have to carry around gold. So he saw that there. And he saw the flaws about how Europe, everywhere else, and his home in England, how they were dealing with currency. Because at this point, most places were still using coins. And these coins made mostly of precious metals, were on average centuries old. Like, they weren't minting a lot of new ones at the time. Uh, and they were hard to transport. Uh, Sweden even used huge, like, like huge, like a foot by, like, half a foot copper slabs because they didn't have, like, enough gold and silver. 
So that was their currency were these like huge slabs of copper. Weird. That were also really heavy. And many times uh, the value of that these coins carried uh, varied from face value because of a few reasons. One of which was this uh, thing known as clipping, where people would shave small bits of the precious metal off of the edge of coins so that they could like sell that and still get like the face value for the coin. Um, it technically was illegal and the punishment was death. Oh, wow. But not many people super cared because, I mean, the bubonic plague was still around. So death was just kind of like uh, the normal sentence of yeah, living. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, fine. In your 20s. So they were like, yeah, we'll shave some gold off the coins to get some more bread this week, I guess. Um, so they were doing that. Uh, John Law noticed that Denmark was using these banknotes uh, that were issued to people when they made a deposit. This note promised them the sum of money if returned to the bank at the time of depositing it. So when you put it in. So that made it so there wasn't this variance in the price of the coin. You had the banknote, and then that could be exchanged. And then if someone wanted the coins again, they could go back to the bank. They get the exact amount that was deposited, and they don't have to worry about it. And that made it so that people started just striking deals using the notes and not the coin itself, uh, which was an early form of paper money, like I said. John Law then thought, what if the system of paper money was backed by something besides these precious metals, something more robust? like land. So this is why he finally returned to Scotland 10 years into his 20-year tour uh, with his proposal, urging the Scots to create a national bank that utilized notes backed by land. He actually went home and drafted this like 100-page like pamphlet about his proposal and published it anonymously because he didn't want anyone to know it was coming from him because he had a bad reputation and it made it all the way to like the top of the government in Scotland. Oh, wow. Because they were going through some like economic turmoil, yeah. which is why he wanted to go back and make this proposal in the first place. And they ended up deciding to not go with his idea because they kind of found out that it was his and they were like, well, we don't want to take advice from a criminal. It'll make us look bad. So they went with their second option, which was an alliance with England, which is when the UK formed. Um, and John wrote to the English monarchy to grant him a pardon. And also his pamphlet being like, you guys should do this now. Um, but they declined him twice. And John feared a rearrest once Scotland became a part of England and fled once more. This time never to return. There was a country, however, that was in dire enough straits to take on John's scheme. And with that, we go to France. Oh, 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 oh. a baguette, a paper money, a John La, you Scottish rapscallion. Come over here and ruin our economy instead. Oh, oui, oui, oui. A croissant. Croissant. A croissant. Um, Pan ou chocolate. Ugh. They're so good. It's just like chocolate chips in like a croissant, right? That's so fucking good. It's all right. You haven't had one in France. Okay, you're right. It changes your fucking life. The croissants and the chocolate are that different? Yeah, dude, it's so fresh. Hmm. They're not shipping them all the way over here. You, We can make croissants and chocolate here. What, are you, what the fuck are I'm you kidding, talking about? I'm kidding, but it, it's different. It's so much better. It's so much fresher. Everything's so good. Everything tastes so good over there. You So you say everything's fresh in France, huh? Oui. Well, at this time, when Jalan went there, they were freshly 
out of a bunch of wars uh, <laughs> waged under the reign of King Louis XIV, uh, putting the country into debt. And the king put them into even more debt by building the illustrious Palace of Versailles, which became his home. Um, it's a beautiful place, though. It is, but it almost bankrupt the country. And this put them in the perfect position to be desperate enough to try something on the advice of a notorious gambler and convicted murderer. So, all right. I'd like to stick a tip, take a step back at this point and recognize that I've been clowning a lot on John Law. For stabbing Edward Wilson so violently. Um, and that, you know, saying like that makes him dumb and not know what he's talking about. That's not true, though. He did have some good ideas. And as you're going to find out, the downfall of his plan was actually not mostly his fault. Um, in the end, he did contribute a lot to the currency discussions and honestly shaped the system that most countries run on today. His idea of a central bank was the first time someone had thought of that. Most countries, at least most economically powerful countries, run on this central banking system. So he did that. He also contributed ideas to economics. Like he was the first one to come up with the scarcity theory of value that like things derive value from them not like being in low supply. I mean, there, yeah, there's truth to that. Yeah, well, that was the thing is like, well, so water is really important for human life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's necessary for us to live, but it's fucking everywhere. So it's not that expensive, right? But gold, hard to find, really expensive, isn't used for shit, except for we like it, right? Because yeah. it's in low supply. So he was the first one to come up with that. But seriously, he was a gambler that killed a dude, so I can clown on him just like a, yeah, tiny, yeah, you a can. little tiny bit. Yeah. So Louis XIV was recently dead, uh, and in his place, Louis XV was crowned, and uh, they were very alike, uh, even in name, except for Louis XV happened to be five years old. Uh, so a regent ruled France instead, and this regent just so happened to be Philippe, Duke of Orléans. Uh, who was a friend of John Law and a believer in his ideas as well uh, before uh, the death of King Louis the Fourteenth? John Law had moved and bought an estate in France because you could because it was dirt cheap there because they were all so poor, um, and he kind of like schmoozed up with royalty and like nobles and started pitching his like economics ideas. And one person who really liked it was Philippe de Orléans, who became the king regent. So. Got a little lucky also. But um, Philippe gave John the go-ahead to start his plan. And in 1716, John Law opened the Banque Générale. And at first, people hated it. The bank was largely mocked by the press. And other bankers actually decided to enact a plan to take the bank down. They deposited large sums of money into the bank while having others take out loans. Uh, now knowing that the bank would not have enough reserves now that they paid out these loans ah. to pay back all of the money that they had deposited, they returned with their notes asking for the sum to be paid in full. Of course, John couldn't do this. So he stalled, said, hey, give me 24 hours to count it. It's a lot. And we don't all do math so well. So give me 24 hours to count it and then come back. So he went to Philippe and got a loan directly from him to pay back the bankers. They were like, shit. 
And this ended up doing the opposite of what they wanted. It bolstered the public opinion of the bank that they kind of survived this. And it bolstered it even more when the regent would have carts of gold wagoned through the streets at the busiest time of day and then deposited into the bank. This sort of like royal patronage was kind of the was the, the best akin to a Super Bowl ad about uh, getting, getting the word out about things. Um, everyone decided to jump on onto the bandwagon. Uh, with this success, people began regularly swapping the notes instead of coin, just like in Amsterdam. Uh, they knew that the banknotes were promised to return the exact value of the coin at the time of deposit, thereby guarding them against currency devaluation and making the paper notes as good or better than gold. Because at this time, because uh, every, everything was going so wrong in France and economies were up and down so much at this time, the price of or the value of currency also swung wildly. So your coins could be worth $100 or like a fictional worth of $100 this day and then like $10 a couple weeks later. And then the crown was constantly devaluing currency um, to help inflation and things. So... Um, this also made capital more liquid and goods and services easier to trade because you didn't have to haul around big bags of coin to buy stuff anymore. Yeah. Um, now, if that is where it stopped, we might have a success story on our hands, but it isn't. You see, the plan ended up getting corrupted by greed and something known as the Mississippi Company. So, quick, quick history lesson. At this time, France owned a large part of land in North America named after their king called Louisiana, which was multitudes larger than France. Um, and this stretch of land took up most of the middle of what is now the United States and some of present-day Canada. The Louisiana Purchase. That after well, this, it was after that. This So, spoiler, but this thing, this whole thing that went down with the Banque Generale is why they had to sell it. Ah! And why America got such a good deal, deal on it. They did sell it. They sold it, like, quite a bit later, like, 80 years later, but it was almost, like, a definite, like, like a, a direct, like, this is a direct reason that they had to sell it, kind Interesting. of. Interesting. Um, so, John Law had started a company called the Mississippi Company, which dealt with trade to the colony. And though some almost definite nepotism um, was part of this, his company was given 25 years of exclusive trading rights to the colony, thereby creating a monopoly. No one else could control trade fuck? with France and the colony except for the Mississippi Company. So John Law then sold stock in this company to the general public. And he allowed them to pay for it using the notes that he had issued from the bank. And also at this point, it's good to know everyone was so upset in France about the economy at one point that the government released these bonds that were basically like an IOU to people because they devalued their currency so much. Oh, wow. So they released these bonds to them saying they'd pay them back later, these IOUs. And he also allowed you to buy stock in the company using those bonds at face value, even though they had depreciated a lot. Like, they weren't worth that anymore. But he let them invest in the company at their face value and also use his notes to invest in the bank. 
He also had the great idea to only take a small down payment for the total price of the stock and take the rest of what is owed in installments. I think it was like it was like a thousand livre. I don't know how to pronounce it. L I V R E S. That was their currency. Like a thousand livre for the stock. You could put down like seventy five. It wasn't francs. No, not at this point. Oh, you could put down seventy five out of a thousand and pay the rest over like a bunch of installments, like monthly installments, which is a bad idea. And that's why no one does it anymore. Yeah, but that's what that's they did. A terrible idea. Um, and this caused an immense speculative interest in the company as many came to invest their earnings into this future colony. Because he also way overhyped about how good Mississippi was, or about how good the Mississippi company was going to do, and thereby how good this new colony of Louisiana was going to do. They they did this whole like kind of like advertisement campaign where they're like invest in the future invest in louisiana like this is it's like when people went out west here in america it was the same thing yeah that they were like this is going to be the next big thing so a bunch of people now also recently wealthy like the bank had worked a little bit and people had more money and they could spend more so they all started putting money into this because they had it um it is around this time in 1718 that the crown actually decided to buy Banque Generale, which had been acting as a private bank up until then because they kind of didn't want it associated with the crown at first if it, unless it failed, right? Um, the only issue is that the Regent Philippe did not have the economic knowledge that law had, but the same amount of greed. The crown quickly made a law that forced transactions of a certain size to be conducted in paper notes only, which forced everyone to switch to the use of the notes if there were any holdouts. Um, at the same time, Philippe recognized that all this paper money was good for business. So what if they just made more? Hell yeah! What could go wrong? Nothing! So that's what they did. They made the money machine go burr. And John Law, by contrast, always had kept the amount of notes to a reasonable level to not overshoot their gold reserves, lest something like what the bankers had tried to do happened again. And there was a need for math, mass withdrawals for some reason. The Crown also enacted a policy that the notes would no longer be paid back at the original deposit value, but would fluctuate with the price of the currency deposited, Ooh. which was one of like the big things that made it succeed in the first place. And yeah. they, they took it away. Uh, at the same time, though, people were making a lot of money in the Mississippi company because by the first, like, the first installment of those people who paid for the stock at the beginning, the price of the stock almost doubled. So they already had double the money than what they were going to have to pay. So that caused a bunch of other people to come in and, you know, speculative bubble. People kept investing in it. Um, and they weren't noticing that the crown had put these laws back in place because they were blinded by how good they were doing. Um, loans were also easily acquired from the bank to be invested. And the Mississippi company was booming and their stock price just kept going up so much that John Law had actually bought and incorporated also the French East India Company and the French China Company and effectively held a monopoly on all foreign trade in and out of France. Oh man, this is going to end bad. So the Mississippi Company controlled but like all of the French imports and exports. It was That's insane. Crazy. Um and he announced 
hefty dividends on the stock as well, making many people wealthy in France. These are people who were poor like two years ago, and like a lot of people now had money. Um, so wealthy that the term millionaire was coined during this time of prosperity in France. It's like three years. No one had come up with the word millionaire before, and people had started being like, we could get to being a millionaire. Law also kept releasing more stock, much like how the government was printing more notes, but required that in order to buy the new releases, you must own a certain amount from the old releases of stock. So like to buy one new share, you had to you had to like own at least four from the previous release That's dumb. of shares. Yes. Um, and what happened is this caused the stocks to be sold more and more on the secondary market in between people so that you could buy the new stock from the Mississippi company. And this inflated the stock price even higher from around 490 livres all the way up to 3,500. And at its most, it cost 10,000 livres a share at one time, uh, much like the tulips of the Netherlands. While all this investing in Louisiana was going on in France, in the actual colony, Things weren't going so good. It was not the El Dorado that they were hoping for. No golden cities, just a lot of work and a bunch of indigenous people whose home they were invading and they were trying to fight and die for it. On top of this, with how good things were going in France, the French didn't really want to leave it all to go toil in some swamps in the fucking Midwest. And I don't blame them. It would have been a bad decision. It got so bad that France started turning the lands of Ohio into a mini <laughs> Australia, sending convicted criminals to the colony in an effort to populate it. And it explains so much about Ohio today. Right? It's just... God, we fucking All suck. French prisoners. Um, it is said that at one point, they even forcibly married convicted prostitutes and male prisoners together and shipped them out on a boat to populate the new land. Oh my God, that's terrible. Like they'd literally be like, here's your new prostitute wife. And you guys are, they'd read them the rights. Like you're now forcibly married and they chain them to a boat and they take them off to the Midwest. Um, to Ohio. To Ohio. Could you imagine? A fate worse than death. Um, oh my God. John Law, however, did know that this was not sustainable. And at one point started to deny some loans at the Banque Générale in order to tighten up their money supply. But this in turn caused a 25% decline in the stock price for the Mississippi company, um, showing just how intertwined the notes and the stock were. So John announced another hefty dividend to pump the stock price even higher. He basically freaked out. He's like, oh, we got to fix it now and pump the stock price even higher, which it did at first. And the slide was recovered from. But in 1720, shit really started hitting the fan. This is four years after they created the Banque Générale, by the way. All this happened in four fucking years. Oh, my God. That's so fast. So as people were starting to pull out their money in the Mississippi company to invest in another bubble happening in England, the South Sea bubble, which honestly was the same thing. It was they were they had started a colony in like um, South Africa, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was literally the exact same thing ended up happening there. Like the whole, the, everyone invested in it. it. There wasn't actually any money to be had there and the whole thing collapsed. Same thing. Uh, but so people are taking their money out of the Mississippi company. And then people began to take gold and silver from the bank rapidly, causing people to become uneasy. They kind of saw where things were going. Um, merchants and vendors began to 
once again asked for coin instead of paper notes. Oh, shit. As inflation at one point reached a monthly rate of 23%. Everyone's freaking out in America right now because we, uh, we have yeah. an annual inflation of 8.5. 23% monthly inflation monthly. rate. Monthly inflation rate. Oh, my lands. The price of goods like food shot up almost 60%, and people began to panic, and a run on the bank began. After, that means you're busting my balls. Well, they were. Yeah. After so many people tried to make withdrawals at the Banque Generale, they closed for 10 days. When it eventually reopened, they put a limit on the transaction amounts, but by this time, the panic was already at a breaking point. The subsequent stampede to the bank to get out while they still could resulted in the death of the deaths of 50 people in the streets of Paris, I think. Yeah. Riots ended up breaking out. People burned the notes in open bonfires, which by the way, that's uh, dumb. Why? Because they were worthless. Oh, okay. They were burning banknotes in open bonfires. Crime swept the nation. Angry mobs formed, and John Law had to hide in the palace. It was the only place he could be. And from their cowering place, the regent and John enacted mitigation tactics that further enraged the public. High-value notes would no longer be accepted as currency. They were just no longer good. And notes could only be used for 50% of any transactions. The Mississippi Company also went all but bankrupt. And you could only turn in the notes for half of what they were worth oh, to the bank. wow. Breaking John's original promise of paying back the exact amount always for what you got when you deposited. So 50% of all the wealth... 50% of the of the bank basically went bankrupt and they pegged the price of the stock for the Mississippi company at 2000 livre which means like 4 fifths of the company had gone bankrupt like 4 fifths of the of the worth of the company was wiped out pretty quickly That's bad. And at this point John knew too much about what the French crown had done to engineer the inflation and under the protection of night in 1720 they smuggled John Law across the border and he would never return to France. Yeah, they'd kill him. Yes. Uh, France went on in poverty for a while. Then at the end of the century, started a whole revolution that saw the heads of many roll. They then got throttled in not one, but two world wars. Invented the baguette and cigarette smoking, I assume. I don't know that second one. And make a living today making fun of Americans. Pretty funny since we bailed them out in World War II. Yeah. And they sold Louisiana, obviously. We yeah, talked about too. that earlier. But that was another big thing. And for like a steal. It's like literally like half of America that we got for like not that much money. Um, John Law, however, uh, lived out the rest of his days, all nine years of them, uh, mostly as a gambler touring throughout Europe again. Although he did not see the same success as he had before and eventually died of pneumonia in Venice, penniless in 1729. Wow. After destroying the economy of an entire country. <laughs> That's an insane story. So, tulips to banknotes to cryptocurrency, bubbles form, and eventually they pop. 
whether it takes down a few Dutch traders, some people who bought pictures of monkeys in hats, or an entire nation, the blowing of the bubble is still the same. People have too much FOMO and decide to place their money in unsafe locations, and everyone is left to pick up the pieces. The tale of John Law and his escape from a murder conviction to ruining ruining a nation with slips of paper is comical this far removed from the tragedies that it caused, but it is a cautionary one. Be aware of how psychology drives these kind of bubbles, and don't be as dumb as everyone else has been in the past. The regent can also tell us a lesson uh, not to let greed get the best of us. If you keep printing the money, eventually the people will cut off your family's heads in the streets. Do you hear the people sing? And now they're singing over to singing the songs of angry men. We hate the paper from the bank. (laughs) It is the music of a people who will not be bankrupt again. Nah, I'm done. Great. I can't remember the next part. So, yeah, France never really experienced the same kind of prosperity that they had in this very small little bit again since then. They've been. They're fine. Now they're okay, but for a very, like, up until World War II, they were kind of, like, in a lot of turmoil. <laughs> and this was kind of one of the reasons they kind of ruined, this ruined the country's economy. For, like, 200 years. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. So, like I said earlier, John Law had a lot of good, a lot of good ideas when it came to currency and banking and, like, national banking, like, in a scale and... And without this, we prob- it probably would have never happened because people learned from this, made it better, and implemented it, and that's what we use. Is it perfect? Probably not. But it also has a lot of upsides to it. So it's just interesting that he... Li- and I, they literally, they appointed him a title in France. Like, he was... I forget what it was, but he was basically, like, the treasurer of France, and that was, like, right before everything really went to shit. They gave him that title. Damn. So this convicted felon from England came over, got an official royal title in France, and then <laughs> everything got destroyed. And that's the story of the Mississippi bubble. So I hope you enjoyed this story today. I like this one. This I think this one might be my favorite of the season. I'm about to say, I, I, I just knew this was going to be a good story. I had a lot of fun uh, putting it together. Um, I hope you like it. There's actually not a lot of supplementary, supplementary stuff on this too, which is always cool that I got to put a story together that not a lot of people have told in the past. There was a cartoon from 1979 that's nine minutes long about it. Interesting. And then there is there actually is a very long video. I can't remember... I can't remember his name and the guy who put it on on YouTube, but it's like a whole history of John Law, which I pulled a lot of stuff for this today from that. So that was cool. If you literally just look up like John Law on YouTube, it's the first video. It's like 45 minutes. Um, I'll see if I can put it in the description. Give a shout out to him. It's good to cite cite your sources. Um, So thank you for listening. I hope you really enjoyed it. Um, if you did enjoy it and you want to support what we do here, that'd be super awesome. Um, and you can do that for free just by going on uh, and following our socials. That's facebook.com slash white collars red hands, Twitter at white collars pod, Instagram at white collars underscore red hands. Uh, you can go visit our website, white collars red hands.com. You can go to our TikTok at white collars red hands. 
you can send us an email. Reach out to us that way at whitecollarsredhands at gmail.com. Uh, you can also for free, leave us a rating or a review. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or a rating on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Our rating on Spotify is pretty good, um, but we could see our Apple Podcast rating go up. We know most of you are listening on there, so if you haven't yet and you really enjoy, you've listened all the way to the end, obviously you enjoy this a little bit, just leave us a review. Help! Be, be awesome. Um, you can also uh, submit ideas for us. We're getting close to the end of this season. Oh, which we are. <laughs> which, by the way, I did want to mention this. We are going to take next week off for the holiday. Um, previously, we didn't, but we kind of want to we want to break. We want to. I'm in school. I kind of want to take one week uh, for the holiday. And Nina is going to be out in um, what used to be part of Louisiana in Ohio. Yeah, uh, I'm from Ohio. With so. her family, I guess. So we're no, gonna. I have a prisoner boyfriend there. So nice. What's up? I became a convicted sex a French worker. prostitute. Yeah. Awesome. That's um, what I smell like. <laughs> it's true. You smell like a French haw. I mean, you smell like the Chicago River. You, you know that that hurt. That there, there's a there's an inside <laughs> joke there. There's history that here. you all don't know about. There's history and here. <laughs> that hurts. Okay, you can hit me later. Okay, um, <laughs> or right now, I guess. Um, I think is that everything? Oh, you know, for free. I know, I know, we're kind of jumping around here at the end, whatever. <laughs> so we're taking next week off. Oh, submit, uh, submit to the email or DM us on any one of those uh, socials that I already talked about to submit um, requests or suggestions for next season because we have what this is eight, right? Fuck. So we we're have taking two more. We're taking next week off, and then we Shit, get. And then we I got, gotta start thinking about stuff. We got two more episodes um before the end of this season so it'd be a good time to start suggesting them to us now we do a fancy minute episode every season so you could be next um and plus we need that support we actually i didn't tell you we got reached out to by a sponsor and i chose not to do it why because i don't i don't support what they do all right we'll talk about it yeah we'll talk we'll talk about it after this but i was like no i ghosted them i'm not gonna lie we'll talk about it um he acts like we have all this money we get enough. Is it like, okay, you know what? We'll talk about it later. I didn't even ask. Um, so thank you for listening. That's it for this week. We'll see you in two weeks on another episode of White Collars, Red, Red Hands. Hands.